Coming up next, a discussion on the important soft skill of persuasiveness, why it makes our list and its role in the workplace. All that and more in just a few seconds. Welcome to Serious Soft Skills, where we help you unleash the power of soft skills. Here are your hosts, Dr. Tobin Porterfield and Bob Graham. Take it away, guys. Welcome to Serious Soft Skills, episode number 20. I can't believe we're at 20 already, Toby. Seems like just yesterday we were at 19. That seems like today to me. <laughs> if you're probably wondering who we are, I'm Bob Graham, and with me as always is Dr. Tobin Porterfield. For you newcomers, welcome, and let's set the stage. We've uncovered a list of 55 soft skills, and we base that on our academic research and through our teaching of college students and working in various industries and just sort of watching what goes on in the world around us. So with each podcast, we're sort of walking through one of these soft skills, trying to talk through it, why it it matters, what it means. And today we're going to talk about persuasiveness. So, Toby, can you sort of get us started with a definition of persuasiveness and tell us why it's on our list? Sure. For one thing, Bob, persuasiveness has such a uh, can often have a bad connotation. And we've been around those people who aren't persuasive. They're nagging. They're manipulative. They're coercive. And so that has such a drag on it that I think people often in a work situation will will pull back. And they won't put forward their ideas. They won't press issues uh, because they don't want to be that person. And so to be persuasive is, uh, I believe, to uh, be able to engage people and attract people to your perspectives on things. And so if that's a, uh, a new product we want to have or a new policy or something that needs to be fixed, um, We need to be able to press that enough and and be able to get buy-in from other people to move it forward and for us to not be that that lone champion or or that quiet champion in the background who's just grumbling because it doesn't move forward and it needs to be brought to the group and the group needs to be convinced that this is an issue and needs to move. So persuasiveness is, is really for all of us. So it's one of those skills that's foundational. It's not something just for leadership, but it's huge for leadership. But every one of us in an organization has a responsibility to be persuasive because we all have good ideas. And if we're not taking those and moving them forward, it's really to the detriment of ourselves and our organization. I, I agree with you. I love your phrase of uh, attractiveness and, and attracting people to your point of view because that suggests that like attracting someone to how you look, you have to, you know, do your hair and wear the right clothes and you have to make a conscious effort to be the person that would appeal to someone else. And in the idea of persuasiveness, you have to find ways to appeal to other people, which is understanding their point of view, right? It's also figuring out what would make them see this as of mutual benefit because you, you have to find a way to sell it to them so that it, it fits with their goals, their objectives, their interests, their desires. Otherwise, they have no vested interest in it. Right. And I think I've seen that go both ways, as I see. And uh, we do a lot of curriculum changes and new development in both of our jobs and and in 
organizations like we work at, there's a, a shared governance model that most of us participate in. And so things will not move forward if the, the larger group is not in support of it. And so as I look at some of these proposals I develop, I really have to question why would anyone move want to move this forward? I get it because it's right close to my heart. But what makes it either fit the goals of the organization and be important to it or value to our students or value the fact? So I've got to really think about not just I'm committed and all in, but what would convince other people? And it needs to be a broader range because certainly the others have different history and different experiences, different uh, uh, motivations. So I really need that, as we've talked about before, that empathy to understand other people's perspectives on it. And be able to say, okay, now does this fit? And, and obviously some of the things I've come up with, I've had to set them aside and say, you know, I don't think I could really bring a group to consensus on this. It's just not a, a powerful enough item right now that I can get the level of buy-in I need. And it, it just needs to sit for a while. So I think part of being persuasive is knowing when to move something forward. But uh, uh, I, at the same time, there's that tension between never moving things forward. So I've got to figure out that complacency side. Uh, I'm struggling a little bit, Toby, with our discussion because this gets dangerously close in my mind to office politics and politicking on behalf of an issue, lobbying people to get them to align with you to achieve a task. Is that persuasiveness by a more negative term or do you see office politics as something completely different? Wow, that is a great one to lob. Who tossed that grenade in the room? Um, that is a really tough one. I, I agree that the office politics has such a connotation um, because so much of that is often manipulative. Or we see people moving around from from individual to individual and selling different sides of this and and even selling yes and no at the same time, which can be kind of uh, – deceptive. So uh, I believe in, in persuasiveness. There's got to be some level of transparency in that. This really needs to be something that has appeal across the board. Um, I'm, certainly there's political aspects to it, and we do need to deal with people. We need to convince people, which I think is what politics is a core item on. But the office politics side is often more about creating something for our own good than for the greater good. So the difference would be if I'm doing office politics, I only want this for me. If I'm if I'm working to be persuasive, I'm incorporating other people into the overall thought and building something that by incorporating more people in their points of view is by its very nature a better solution, a broader, more uh, comprehensive look at the problem and solution. We're being awful altruistic. So I'm sure there's a lot of things that fall into that gray area between the two. Uh, you know, the, from the range of, gee, you got to vote for me for the committee. And uh, here's why. And you say, oh, because, uh, you know, I don't want to spend much. Okay, I won't spend much. And you go to the next person. And, well, I, I want to be on the, oh, well, because you're going to really spend a lot. Yeah. You know, and so you end up, so, you know, we got to be a little careful in there, but but you're right. We've we've got to get that buy-in, that commitment to a greater to a greater item. But you know, persuasiveness runs the whole gambit too. I, I think down to persuading my boss that it's time to relook at my job and how it's graded. And so I need to come in with some arguments, some reasons why 
this is the case. This is where I was brought in at. These are the type of uh, uh, role that I've now taken on. Here's the additional test. So I really need a, a persuasive argument. And I think we've taught students that the different types of uh, presentations to give. And one's persuasive, right? Right. Yes. I taught, taught that number a number of times. But in the example you gave with the boss, you ne- wouldn't it be most successful to explain to him the benefits to you, but also the benefits to him, right? So, hey, I'm doing great work here. And if you can give me a raise or reclassify my position, that gives me a clear signal that you believe what I'm doing is the right thing and the organization believes I'm doing the right thing, which of course is going to encourage me to do more of the same thing. So exactly. And and isn't that sort of the persuasive argument rather than, Hey, I need a raise. I've been here three years. If I don't get a raise this year, I'm going to leave and go work for your competitors. (laughs) Yeah. The, uh, the threat side of it probably isn't quite, uh, that feels a little more manipulative than persuasive. Okay. I think one of those core elements that, that we're circling around on persuasion is that we have a solid argument for why something should move forward. We want to convince people through logical fit. Here's why we need to do this. Here's, here's what it'll take to do it and move forward, uh, kind of as a, as a, a structured argument. And again, I come back to our teachings when we teach students about giving a persuasive talk. You've got to make your points clearly and also be clear on what it is you're trying to move forward right up front. Hey, I think we need to do this, and here's why, so that people aren't guessing about where you're headed. And also supporting it with, you know, legitimate things that people would buy into in terms of not just sort of what I always call Bob speak, but objective data that would support the contention. Not, well, you know I'm your best employee, so you should give me a raise. But, hey, in, in my last year's review, you told me I was your best employee for these three reasons. Remember that? So trying to find a way to, to support points with data. So make that claim. Now, now I sound like a teacher, so I'm going to stop because I don't want to sound like a teacher. And so instead, Toby, I'm going to take a little break here. We're going to take a break in our discussion of persuasiveness, and then we'll come back. And I promise I won't be a teacher on persuasiveness when we come back. Hey, Bob Graham here. Self-reflection, you've probably heard about it, but you have no idea where to start or what to do. We got you covered. We put together a tip sheet on how to start your practice of self-reflection and some of the do's and don'ts to ensure your success. To get your tip sheet, visit SeriousSoftSkills.com slash tip sheet. That's SeriousSoftSkills.com slash tip sheet. Best of all, it's free. It's our gift to you for spending some time with us today. Welcome back to episode 20 of Serious Soft Skills. We've been talking about persuasiveness, one of our soft skills, and we've sort of been going through how persuasiveness isn't manipulation. And uh, as Toby so eloquently put it, how it's really about attracting other people to your point of view so that that shared vision can go forward. So, Toby, we have the other side of the equation. We've been sort of painting roses and fairy tales, but sometimes persuasiveness can run amok. Yeah, and I I think uh, sometimes we're persuasive on things that we're really passionate about, which is great. Um, but I've had several instances, and I have a, a great colleague who, uh, who, when we're in a group setting, can really pick through that because in our in our in our uh, team meetings, we're really looking to 
bring forward new ideas and uh, new product offerings and, and such. And so we'll get so passionate about something and uh, we'll each start arguing for it. And, and he'll stop us. Some say, and I, I, he'll say, I think we all vehemently agree. Uh, we're now arguing about how much each of us agrees. Can we just vote on this and move on? And, uh, and I think it's so true. And that's kind of comes back to what we were talking about right before we went into the break is that when we want to be persuaded, I think we have to be really specific up front of this is what I think needs to happen. And here's the argument why, because sometimes we get so caught up in all the whys. It's like, what? Did you did you say we were going to do that or what did you say we should do it now or should do it later or what exactly is the proposal? And so uh, then we all get excited about it and, and forget it. it's like, hold it. Are we all in agreement here? And uh, it's great when a team does that because we get so, we rally around something to that strength. But uh, and I think in our group, we get some uh, contradictory opinions and then we talk through it. So it's uh, being academics and love to talk about things and define things. And uh, suddenly we, we the group. Um, kind of uh, uh, develops and it's like, hold it, we've, we've just come to consensus. How did that happen? And uh, that's what we want to see in persuasion is that suddenly it's like, hold it, we're all on board here. We've covered all of the concerns. Let's do this. It sort of co- coalesces, right? It just yeah, comes exactly. together in nice, pretty, you know, to use a writer word for you, if I may. Uh, one thing we sort of talked about briefly, but we didn't highlight it, Toby, and I just want to go back to it is, the whole idea of understanding where your audience, whoever those people are that you're trying to persuade, are on the topic. And I just want to make sure that we we say that out loud because one of the things when I'm teaching is I'm always explaining to the students, you have to take the pulse of your audience and know where they are on this issue before you can persuade them. If you go into a room of people who are anti, uh, anti-football, they hate football, you need to know that because if you're trying to convince them that football is a great sport, you would do it differently than if you went into the Baltimore Ravens fan club and presented that. And knowing that, and those are two very extremes, and we don't always get that 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 easy a read of the audience, but trying to get your best guess of what you can anticipate from the audience that you're talking to, especially if you're giving a presentation to a group, that's critical to being persuasive. You cannot persuade people if you don't know where they start. Yes, and, and I, I met with a colleague just this past week, and we were talking about some particular changes that needed to happen, some things that, you know, in our, in our history weren't, you know, handled as well as they should be. And, and he reminded me that the people that were involved back then are still here, and, and we need to respect that history, know where they are, but at the same time be able to explain that, you know, that's what happened then. This is now. This is how things need to move. And, and so when he said, they said, hey, you got to recognize and you got to respect the history. It's there, but we got to move past it. You can't just act like it isn't there. No, I think that's a great insight. And I've made that mistake a handful of times. I'll leave it at a handful where I've gone in and said we should change this, only to realize that the people that I'm telling we need to change it are the ones who adopted the thing before. And they don't see the reason for change because they haven't had my experience. So it takes time to get them on board with that. But it, it's not that you, you have to respect history and we're stuck with things forever the way history is. It's a matter of getting people to understand that things are new and how their, their grassroots efforts, their, their baseline really allows you to move forward to advance it. So with that, Toby, uh, why don't we close the book on episode 20 of Serious Soft Skills? 
Just a little reminder, you can always email us at podcast at SeriousSoftSkills.com. Or if you like that Twitter thing we keep hearing about, you can tweet us at RealSoftSkills. We also post blogs, links to old episodes of our podcast, and other information, staggeringly important information, Toby, on our website, SeriousSoftSkills.com, including a tip sheet that people can get for free that explains to them how they can uh, get involved with self-reflection. We talked about that in episode 14, and I'm just going to make one more plug for that tip sheet. Gives you 10 great ideas for how you can get started with self-reflection. So that's available. And with that, Toby, let me move to next week. Next week, we're going to dig into a listener suggestion for a new soft skill to add to our list. It's timely. It's a great topic for discussion, and I think you're going to like it. And I've intentionally not told you what it is, so I get your reaction in real time next week. So I'm really excited for that. And you can turn tune into that next Wednesday, and uh, we'll talk about it then. Until then, thanks for listening. Good day, and your favorite words, Toby, good soft skills. You've been listening to Serious Soft Skills with your hosts, Dr. Tobin Porterfield and Bob Graham. If you like what you hear, then take a moment to review us on iTunes. Looking for more insights on soft skills? Then check out our website, SeriousSoftSkills.com, for blog posts, newsletters, and other resources. And look for a new episode of Serious Soft Skills every Wednesday.